coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Dr. Barbecue, oh my gosh, what a feast he brought out for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, you know, this is a tremendous amount of food, but somehow worked my way (laughs) through his menu, I think. Yeah, um, we know how you feel. It's a happy thing. The only happier thing to report on would probably be puppies. (laughs) but there's not a lot lot to talk about with that except they're cute you know what that is a great idea we're going to start a puppy's (laughs) podcast all right what's the best wood for smoking mullet oh gosh you did your research (laughs) somebody has to around here the way that he described it was if you scaled it to our size he said it would be having like it would be like having a volleyball-sized tick stuck to your body and sucking your blood oh out. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is what it's like for the honeybees. It's a terrible scourge. If we lose our honeybees, we will be in trouble as far as, as our food supply. Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. The show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. The podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download, and then you can listen to them anytime you want like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Robin Sussingham from WUSF's The Zest Podcast. The Zest won an award for their series on honeybees, so we'll talk about that and more. After Robin, we stroll over to our favorite salad place, Greenstock, for lunch, right in the heart of downtown St. Pete. We We have have a great great show, so stick stick around. around. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? Hey foodies, do you know about the Zest Podcast? If you're listening to us, you should be listening to them too. They're part of the Tampa NPR station WUSF 89.7. On the Zest, you'll learn new recipes, baking tips, and barbecue secrets. You'll hear about what's ripe, what's growing, and what's in season. 
The Zest Podcast is hosted by Robin Sussingham, an award-winning reporter and producer who's also an avid home cook and baker. Robin's a native Floridian and has been searching out flavors and the fascinating stories behind them from Key West to Pensacola. Learning to care for a sourdough starter and learning to bake sourdough breads really speaks to people in a very deep way. It's part of our collective history and we're getting back to our roots and our self-sufficiency. Just like us, the Zest podcast has interviews with chefs and restaurateurs and talks about food and recipes covering the Tampa Bay area and throughout Florida. It's what we listen to when we're not doing our own show. Check out the Zest podcast at thezestpodcast.com. Please welcome from the Zest podcast and WUSF Public Media, Robin Sussingham. Welcome, Robin. Welcome, Robin. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so you are a lifelong journalist. You've done tons of stuff. You filled the roles of reporter, producer, anchor, editor. There's no way we can get into all that stuff because you've <laughs> just done so much. But your, your two main current shows are The Zest Podcast that started back in March 2019 and Florida Matters. Right. So I'm actually not a lifelong journalist. I started out as a scientist. I started out working in scientific research and then from there went into science journalism and from science journalism and health and environmental journalism. And then eventually, you know, now I'm in food, which I love. So it's great. Yeah, it's been a long and winding road. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That explains the chemistry chemistry degree. Yeah. (laughs) It's easy for me to say. So Florida Matters, I started with the late, great Carson Cooper um, back in the day. Carson Cooper was the morning edition host for many years at WUSF. And um, I was the Florida Matters producer for many years. And then since 2016, um, a host of hosted Florida Matters. Then recently, I recently stepped away from that to do, to focus on the Zest podcast because the Florida Matters is a weekly show. The Zest is a weekly show. And it was, you know, it was too much um, with a small right. staff that we have in public radio. So I am actually, Steve Newborn's been hosting Florida Matters recently, and I am just focusing on the Zest podcast. How did you originally transition from science into food? It's really very much related. I'll tell you, Well, first of all, I got a master's in science journalism from New York University, and my thesis uh, was on food chemistry, flavor chemistry. Wow. It was so cool, and I went around to all these flavor chemists in that New York, New Jersey area, and it was wild. It was like a Willy Wonka travel uh, episode, And and so I just always had some interest in that, and... I do a lot of baking. What I've found is that baking, I think I like baking so much because it is very scientific. You have to, you know, really measure things and using a scale and um, it appeals to that scientific side. So I don't know. They're, they're very, very much related. Wow, that's fascinating. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. And so just uh, some personal info on you. You are from Lakeland. I am born and raised in Lakeland, yeah. And you have three sons. Yes, they're they're big now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have three sons, which accounts for my gray hair. Right. <laughs> I am married to a retired Air Force fighter pilot and experimental 
F-16 test pilot. Cool. So we traveled the world um, for his career. And that's why you'll see, I was the editor of a magazine in Wales. I was a health editor. I was the health editor for a daily newspaper in North Texas. Um, I started my public radio career in Salt Lake City when he was, um, he was based at Hill Air, Hill Air Force Base in Utah. So his career kind of explains a lot about my career. <laughs> I followed him around That's pretty cool. for a long time. Wow. Yeah. And you love books. I do. I'm a reader. And I've actually, just like so many other journalists, tried my hand at writing fiction and writing short stories. Um, but I keep coming back to, you know why I keep coming back to reporting, daily reporting? Because you can see your work the next day right <laughs> or even or even that evening and instant you're, gratification you're, you're, <laughs> it is instant gratification and i have you know i've really have spent time trying to in practice the craft of fiction writing but you don't you sit there and it's it's lonely and you don't know if anybody will ever read it so right. this, is, this is so much better right so let's talk about uh, the Zest podcast, because afterwards we are going to talk about your series, your award-winning series on honeybees. And I listened to the podcast episode about that yesterday. It is extremely fascinating. So we're going to get, Thank you. We're gonna get yeah. into that on the second half. So for the Zest podcast, it's pretty cool. You guys, so you started March 2019, like I said before, and it's similar to what we're doing. You've talked food, recipes, cooking, talk to restaurants, chefs. Exactly. I feel like Florida, I mean, look how much you do in just the St. Pete area. It's There's so much to talk about. It's so diverse. And I think because we do live in this hot climate, and as I say, you know, on our, on our website, and it, we have attracted so many diverse communities and people and cultures and cuisines. And it just makes for a fascinating, fascinating food reporting. And um, I think that, uh, yeah, there's, there's room for, there's room for both of us, Kevin. Abs <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's why we have an ad for you guys running on our on our show mm -hmm. and vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And you have, so you're weekly, just like us. Yes. Right. And new episodes are Thursdays. Yes, Thursdays, well, it actually publishes at 3 a.m. because back when everyone was commuting, we wanted to make sure we got the morning the morning commute. So um, it's available first thing in the morning on Thursdays. Yeah, I do the same thing. Ours, ours comes out, if you're subscribed to our podcast with an app, it goes out at 3 a.m. Oh. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're not subscribed, I do the, the blog post and then Facebook post for it at 8 a.m. on Tuesdays. Right. Ah, interesting. So, you, and you're you're the main host, and then you also have occasionally Janet Kreitmeyer Keeler. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Yes, Janet Keeler is a contributor, but uh, the producer the the producer of the Zest is Dalia Cologne. So it's actually Dalia and I put together the show. Um, Dalia is a host of WEDU's Arts Plus, so a lot of people know her from TV, mm -hmm. oh, cool. and she worked at WSF several years ago. That's where I got to know her. And we used to talk about food a lot and books. <laughs> and so when I went, knew that we were wanted to start this food podcast, I really wanted to bring Dalia in because I knew what an asset she would be. And she has, she's wonderful to work with. And she has so many contacts. She also worked at the Tampa, uh, used to be, you know, St. Pete Times, Tampa Bay Times. Mm -hmm. And she's got a 
very large Rolodex of from that. So she knows everybody and it's fun to work with her. Yeah. And you guys had, had Laura on, Laura Riley, the former Tampa Bay Times food critic and Dr. Barbecue. And we've had both of them as well. Yes. Oh, Dr. Barbecue. What a, what a, <laughs> what a fun interview. And that was one where, you know, Kevin, as you know, I mean, we were getting out a lot more in the beginning. I mean, since this, you know, pandemic has kind of shut us down, we're doing interviews like this by, by computer. But um, that was one, Dr. Barbecue. Oh my gosh, what a feast he brought out for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, you know, this is a tremendous amount of food, but somehow worked my way (laughs) through his menu, I think. Yeah. um, We know how you feel. He did that with us too, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So good. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a character. He's got so many stories. What made you decide that you wanted to do a podcast about food? I think, you know, honestly, we are reporting on sickness and poverty and disease and political turmoil and just so many hard things. Right. And things that divide us, especially, you know, things that are pulling us apart. And food is just such a wonderful topic because people, everyone eats and it brings people together. I mean, breaking bread with people mm-hmm. is, is a, is a bonding experience. Right. And you know, it's, it's really, it kind of balances things out um, for a news station right. and as a reporter, it just, it, it adds a lot to your life. It's a happy thing. The only happier thing to report on would probably be puppies. <laughs> but there's not a lot, of, lot to talk about with that, except they're cute. You know what? That is a great idea. We're going to start a puppies podcast. <laughs> All right. A, we'll, we, this is a perfect time we'll, to we'll do it. We'll partner up with you on that. We, we have a puppy. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and make sure you keep listening because this next part I guarantee 100% is going to be super interesting and we'll have tons of information that you didn't know and you'll just be like, wow, I had no idea. We'll be right back. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that one too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm-hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's oh, so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years. 
and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. We are back with Robin Sussingham from the Zest Podcast and WUSF Public Media. And we're going to be talking honeybees. And I listened to your episode yesterday, and we want people, we want to direct our listeners after this to go check out this episode because there's going to be a ton more information, more than we can talk about in the time we have for this show. But here's a few uh, bullet points for you. A lot of people have been hearing that bees are dying off for years now. Mm Mm-hmm. Beekeepers have to work a lot harder, and honey has gotten more expensive. Florida has some of the best honey and the biggest selection of types of honey. And there's a whole culture around honey, just like there is wine. There's even like like tastings and things like that. Yeah. Well, Kevin, you hit it. You did. You talked about everything, so I've got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 later on, we're we're going to tell people that there's actually fake honey too. Oh, unfortunately, yes. That's why you should get it from your local beekeeper ah. um, at the farmer's market. Or my sister-in-law um, raises bees, so she's just been sending me a ton of honey. So I know I know mine's real. Um, so, yes, we were proud of winning the Regional Murrow Award. Congratulations. Um, for this series. Thank you, along with Kathy Carter and Steve Newborn at WSF. Um, this was a fascinating and surprising interview that you're talking about with this is Dr. Jamie Ellis, who's in charge of bee honeybee research at the University of Florida. And yes, I you hear about colony collapse disorder, which is killing off thirty to forty percent of of beekeepers' hives, commercial bee hives every year. But then the fact is that bees hives are actually increasing by 1% every year. So the right. total number of beehives is actually increasing because, because beekeepers have learned so much and they know now what to do to make up for their losses and they're working 10 times harder than they ever had to before. But they are, as Dr. Ellis said, they are buffering us from the effects of of colony collapse disorder because right. they're, they're working harder and they're making sure the bees are still there. Yeah, just because of the beekeepers. So yeah, what you guys talked about on the episode is that there is like a 30 to 40% gross loss, but then in the end, there's a net 1% increase. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm, I'm, so that's good news. I don't want to sound ignorant here, but I have no idea what colony collapse disorder is. That is just kind of the name that was given when they were seeing, as far as, I, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but this is what I've gotten from my information, is that they, that's the name that they gave when they saw these big die-offs starting maybe about 10 years ago. And they really didn't know what was going on. But since then, they've learned a lot more. And what Dr. Ellis says is the biggest contributor to 
what's killing the bees are these mites, these parasites called varroa mites. I mean, he was very emphatic about how bad these mites are. And they are what they, they're little parasites. The way that he described it was if you scaled it to our size, he said it would be having like, it would be like having a volleyball sized tick stuck to your body and sucking your blood oh out. Oh my God. Yeah. That is what it's like for the honeybees. It's a terrible scourge on the honeybee population and very hard to kill because I asked him, you know, I can kill ticks on my dogs. Why can't you kill ticks on the honeybees? And he said, because a tick is an insect and your dog is a mammal. So you can give your dog something to kill the tick, but a tick and a bee are both insects. So how do you give the the bee and insecticide to kill the tick. So it's tricky. It's a hard problem, but they are making, they are making progress. Yeah. And bees are, honeybees are a lot more important than I, than I realized. And probably a lot of other people realize they do a heck of a lot more than just make honey. Mm -hmm. They're frequent travelers. They are. Well, pollination is what they're main, they're, they're very important for pollination. Um, that is really why beekeepers keep bees and that's where they make most of their money. A small fraction of what they do is actually make honey. Um, so pollination, they're responsible for maybe 30% of our food supply. If, you know, if, if we lose our honeybees, we will be in trouble as far as, as our food supply. So, so beekeepers have to travel around the country. It is not an easy life. They, they, there's a massive migration of honeybees out to California for the almond trees. Um, they're in Michigan for the cherries. They're, you know, they, they're, they're necessary for those crops. So they pay, they pay the beekeepers to bring their hives out there and help pollinate their, their crops. Yeah, I had no idea about that. Did you know anything no, about that, Lori? I, I have- no. <laughs> it's crazy. So, it and, but then the other side of that is, so, so it's, it's great when the bees can help pollinate different crops and then we have better crops, better harvest, but then there is a nutrition problem for the bees. Right. So they're thinking, you know, when you take the bees out there, let's say the almond groves out in California, because that's massive. So the bees are getting only almond tree flower pollen. Um, and just like if we only ate, I think Dr. Ellis called it, like if we only lived on cheeseburgers or, you know, French fries, if, if we just lived on one thing, which might not be bad in itself, but if we were only getting one kind of nutrient, one kind of food, of course, that's bad for your overall nutrition. Because, of course, bees, if you keep bees in your backyard, just a, just a regular hobbyist beekeeper, those bees are going to go out and eat all kinds of things. Right. You know, whatever's blooming and whoever's yard and whatever weed is growing by the side of the road, you know, they're getting all kinds of stuff. But when they're just in a monoculture like that, that does affect, they think that that's one of the things that affects their nutrition. Um, they, Dr. Ellis said the three biggest things, the three biggest, biggest contributor to colony collapse disorder or to bees dying off is the varroa mites, number one, new, poor nutrition, and the quality of the queen. So, um, so nutrition's a biggie. Yeah, it was so interesting because, you, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, uh, when listening to podcasts, it's kind of a, a passive thing. Like you, I might listen to a podcast while I'm cooking something. 
or doing some chore. And I started off that way. And then as I'm listening, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't want to miss anything. I just sat down in front of my computer and just listened. Well, you know what we call that in public media. We call that the driveway moment when you can't get out of your car. <laughs> yeah. you're, That's you're awesome. I didn't know that. You're listening to a story, so you're having a driveway moment. I, right? I was. For me, it would be a parking lot moment, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so bees, that bees pollinate, as you said, almonds, cherries, blueberries, and oh, citrus also, right? Oh, so everything. I mean, really, whatever blooms. Right. Yeah. Just everything. And, and one thing that he mentioned I thought that was so interesting was Florida is really famous for its fine quality honey, which I didn't know mm-hmm. because there are so many varieties of it. I didn't know there was – there's palmetto hung, honey, mangrove honey, of course, you know, orange blossom honey. Um, they're, they're just so ma- – tupelo honey, so many different varieties of Florida honey, gallberry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's pretty well known for its honey. And northern beekeepers overwinter, bring their hives down and overwinter in Florida. He said about, oh my gosh, about almost a quarter of the nation's uh, bees will pass through Florida. Wow. That's year. crazy. You, you know what's going to happen now because of this? Lori knows. We're going to be buying lots of honey. Yeah. Now, now, now <laughs> we're going to. what happens. With now, we're gonna, now we're going to get. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I, I get OC- He's OCD. I'm OCD. So now I'm going to have to be like, learn everything about honey and get all different kinds of honey and have honey tastings. Ha- get a hive. No. <laughs> I'm going to condo I'm terrified downtown. of bees. I, I'm oh, you glad are? For, oh. I'm glad for what they do. But yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm allergic. So. Oh, no. Well, I was telling you, my, my sister-in-law is a beekeeper. She has been obsessed with bees for the past several years. Well, she just got stung a couple weeks ago and went into anaphylact, what it's called. Oh, no. Shock. Uh-huh. Stopped breathing. Oh, her wow. Fiance saved her life because he injected the, had got on 911 and injected an EpiPen. But wow. yes. So that was after years of beekeeping. Wow. Uh, I know. Scary. And, you and had, here's an, yeah. You had inadvertent uh, bee house guests. I was going to say that was karma because when I just first started reporting on honeybees, a swarm of bees came and made their home inside the front wall of my house. Oh my God. It was the strangest thing. So from inside, they were, they were kind of between my inside wall and the outside brick wall. They got in through a, um, a faucet and you, I could put my ear up against the inside wall and just hear the oh, massive, wow. you know, buzzing of the bees in there. Right. Were so, they honeybees, though? They were honeybees. They came. So my neighbor, a few doors down, she started beekeeping. And I guess a swarm left her house and went inside my, I'm blaming, I'm blaming uh-huh. her. And <laughs> went inside. So I called a beekeeper. I didn't want to kill them. And I called a beekeeper who came and he did what's called a trap out where he put this funnel over the hole that they were getting into my house, a funnel that they could leave but not get back in, uh-huh. kind of a cone-shaped thing. And then he put another box with a hive in it right outside my house. And eventually, it took weeks and weeks, but eventually they all came out, went into the hive he set up, and left my wall. But he's the one who told me about Brazilian pepper trees. Mm, right Now, that's another story that I want to pursue because Brazilian pepper trees are, is this – 
uh, non-native invasive species of plant in Florida that biologists are just desperate to get rid of. And meanwhile, beekeepers love it because that's the main source of food for bees during the winter in Florida. Mm, So that's, you know, that's what he said. I couldn't get through the winter without the Brazilian pepper plants. So that's going to be an interesting, well, the beekeepers have lost because they're, they're definitely trying to eradicate that plant, but it's going to, it's going to affect them for sure. Yeah. yeah. So have they found any replacements for the Brazilian peppers? Um, as far as for as far as for the bees for yeah. bee food, no. What Dr. Ellis says is they're just going to have to basically feed their bees. He said, like everyone else in the country has to do during the winter. You know, so so up north when it's snow on the ground, they're I guess some kind of sugar water. Right. They're having to feed the bees. And that actually, the sh- feeding bees sugar water leads us to fake honey. I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, so I had heard that what they tested honey on the shelves and that quite a bit of it was not what it was labeled to be. And you're talking about mass supermarket shelves? Yeah, just what you see on the sh- supermarket shelves. You know, what I'm seeing a lot more though at Publix at least is that they're they're using local honey. They're mm-hmm. using bee from local beekeepers and I'm sure and that's, you know, going to make a big difference in the fact that you're getting actual authentic honey right authentic honey means that it's made solely from pollen right i thought they were using even some of them were putting like um corn syrup and stuff oh, you know, no. there that you didn't know you know some other substances it's so disheartening when you hear those things and we've learned so much stuff about olive oil being rancid and all that too <laughs> yes and fake and you know yeah, yeah. Really, who knows what it's going on? But if you buy it from a beekeeper that you know and trust, mm-hmm. or at the farmer's market, I think that you can you be sure that it's honey, and probably even the kind of honey that they say it is. Really, right. you know, they put um, <clears throat> orange blossom honey, and probably mainly, you know, if they if it's from that season when the orange trees are blooming, then it was mainly orange blossom honey. But now with no more orange trees, that's very hard, becoming very hard to get. Mm-hmm. Right. How long does honey, um, what's the shelf life of honey? No, I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> not right. a, I am not a honey expert. I've <laughs> simply <laughs> done some reporting. If yeah. any of our listeners know, write, write us in on that one. <laughs> and, and one of the other trends that we kind of maybe touched on a little bit is that backyard beekeeping is taking off or has been taking off for a while now. Backyard beekeeping, um, I think... I don't, for whatever reason, just because like this, people are discovering how fascinating bees are and it's fun to have your own honey, I think has grown maybe fivefold in the last decade or so. Wow. So a lot of, and as have hives. So hives have, you know, beehives have increased maybe about fivefold in the last 10 years or so. So yes, it's really taking off. A lot of people are are finding it that it's a, a great hobby. That's, and, that's uh, the one part I won't I won't pursue since I'm in a condo. No, you're not. <laughs> but what what is the uh, name of that episode on, on the Zest the, podcast? It's called the Buzz on Bees. Is the one where I interview Dr. Ellis, Dr. Jamie Ellis. But then there's um, we did the series. So um, the St. Pete, uh, the Museum of Fine Arts has an apiary on their roof, um, and they have started incorporating honey and bees into some of their programming. And so we had done a story on that. 
Steve Newborn did a story about the effect of pesticides or not effective pesticides on honeybees. Uh, we, did, oh, the, we did a story on uh, a meadery on Green Bench Brewing and their mead. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Yeah, really cool. Uh, so, and we, we had, I'm um, sorry if people missed it, but we did, we did have a live event last fall where we had uh, honey tasting and mead tasting and we talked to a couple honeybee experts and the website is thezestpodcast.com so you can subscribe and hear another really cool food podcast and check out that the honey episode is is amazing you gotta check that out and there's a few more things i want to know from you robin before we go okay what's the proper way to run from an alligator (laughs) do not zigzag I don't, I don't and that's know. what as I'd always kid, heard, the zigzag. Right. As a kid, I think growing up in Central Florida, I was told, you know, zigzag. But I spoke to the leading alligator expert um, at the University of Florida and was asking him about it. And he said that was the stupidest thing you could possibly do. Wow. And that you should just run as fast yeah. as you can <laughs> fast in as a you straight can. line. <laughs> yeah. And they're faster than they look, too. Yeah. They're fast. Yeah. So just run. Okay. And second one is, what's the best wood for smoking mullet? Oh, gosh, you did your research. (laughs) Um, Somebody has to around here. You know, I interviewed my father. This was for a national story, actually. And um, my father was, he fished for mullet and smoked mullet for decades and decades. And so I was interviewing him and asking him about uh, what is the best wood to smoke from mullet and i'd have to go back and listen to that interview Um, (laughs) but yeah probably whatever was washing up there on his property on the manatee river was what he was using funny Um, you you stumped gosh kevin (laughs) for this a little better because i can't remember now what he told me but um i did know it (laughs) that's funny oh yeah one more thing going back to honey I just want to mention on the uh, salt, salt, fat, acid, heat, which is a four-part series on Netflix. One of those and episodes, also a book, and also yeah, and a book. One of those episodes does have a segment on honey mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, I'll go back and listen to that. Yeah. Robin Sussingham from the Zest Podcast and WUSF Public Media. Thank you so much. Yes, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I it wish has. I- more answers. You kind of stumped me there a couple of times. (laughs) So everybody check out the Zest podcast and we will be right back. You know, I love salad. When I was a kid, my mom made salad every night to go with dinner and I like to eat it all the time. Yeah. My mom used to make it pretty much every night as well. Yeah. So speaking of salads, this segment is sponsored by Greenstock which is a chef-driven and ingredient-focused salad and wraps, fast, casual eatery right in the heart of downtown St. Pete. Everything is fresh. Nothing comes out of a can. You can even see all of the ingredients right in the case. They have full ears of unshucked corn. They're even shucking on corn. I love corn. I love even looking at corn. It's just awesome. Corn's rock and rocks. (laughs) But you can see all the ingredients there. Gorgeous Roma tomatoes. And Greenstock is what's for lunch today. Yes, it is. What'd you get, Lori? The blat. Really, that's the B-L-A-T. Yeah. So it stands for bacon, lettuce, avocado, and tomato, but it also includes the lettuce is romaine and spinach and arugula. Uh, there's obviously the bacon and avocado and tomato, and then pickled red onion, which happens to be David and Erica Benstock's son, 
Ethan's favorite thing at Greenstock. Right. We learned that last week. And it has the croutons, which comes from the bread at Il Ritorno, mm-hmm. and a delicious ranch dressing. Yeah. And we tried each other's too. And I, we did. I, I thought yours was delicious, and I really liked that ranch dressing. Yeah, I really liked it. And I did find something too. I, I have liked every salad we've had there but I said to Kevin last time I'm like I think I'm gonna not get it chopped because they chop it up into these little pieces with Mm -hmm. this chopper and you can ask for it to not be chopped so you can get it either way and we got it not chopped this time and I I prefer that I I like it a lot better I'm sure a lot of people do like it chopped because it seems like they they do that a lot but I agree with you I kind of like like mine better when it's not chopped as well I, and I can just rave about this salad I definitely found one of my new favorites for sure yeah and also we put the dressing on the side and what's kind of cool, too, is we both tried our dressing before putting it on the salad. So you got a taste of just what the dressing tastes like. And they were both super delicious. I got the spicy miso crunch, and that comes with a miso ginger dressing. It's so good. That and the yeah. ranch were so good. They were. And very fresh. And like I said earlier, nothing comes out of a can. And they make all of their dressings from scratch. Right. So the spicy miso crunch. So it's not like super spicy, so don't worry about that. It's really just the ginger that gives it a little bit of a spiciness, but I love the crunch in there. So there's baby arugula, green stock blend, which is baby spinach, some more baby arugula, baby kale, and then there's carrots, cucumber, and check this out. Here's my favorite three ingredients. Edamame, shaved Brussels, and wasabi peas. And they were you good. Get that crunch. Yeah. It's so dang good, man. I love wasabi peas. Yeah. So you can also get any of the salads as a wrap as well, by the way. And yes. we, we haven't done a wrap yet, but we there's one coming in the future. I'm sure. sure of that. Yeah. So check out Greenstock on the 400 block of Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They are open Monday through Saturday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. And you can order on their website, which is eatatgreenstock.com. Their salads can't be beat. <laughs> We will be right back. This is Chris Walker. And you're listening to CP Foodies Podcast. We have two new reviews on the website. There's a new place, new within the last few months, called The Blend. They offer wine, beer, coffee, and great sandwiches for breakfast, lunch, and early dinner. And they have two locations. One is in the Tampa Bay Times building in downtown St. Pete. And the other is not far away, up on 4th Street North in the old Northeast area. And did you know that The Mill has totally updated their menu? They still have some of the same fan favorites, but they've made them smaller portions to lower the prices. And they have some new items, too. Be sure to not miss the Swedish meatballs. They're so good. I ate them three days in a row. And the new seafood nachos are unlike anything you can imagine. Check out all of that on stpetersburgfoodies.com. And speaking of the mill, we will have the founders, Jason Griffin and Ted Dorsey, on the podcast next week. If you'd like to send us fan mail, OK Boomer mail, or if you have any requests for interviews or restaurant reviews, just send an email to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Robin Sussingham. Thanks to Greenstock for lunch. And thanks to our sponsors. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. 
We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. This one's for you, Winnie the Pooh. I love honey to death. It is a perfect sweet nectar to eat.